2: Hey, folks, welcome to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. I am Sean Windsor, a columnist, uh, I guess, at the Free Press. Carlos is what, Carlos? How about instead of me saying what you are, you define yourself for a change? Uh, I am I am Sean Windsor's foil. Sean Windsor's foil, yeah, that, that you have a lot of energy there, by the way. By the way, if you hear any noise, while, while Carlos wakes up, let me just say this real quickly as a uh, sort of a, a preemptive apology. If there's any noise in the background, we've got some issues at the, uh, I don't want to say the Windsor house. It's not really my house. I just estate. sort of live here. It's an estate. It's, a state. it's not an estate. It's a little It's a little cinder block um, shack on a dirt road, and that's actually not a lie. No, we've got some uh, contractors here. We had a little issue with the toilet, Carlos. No, it's not what you think. It's just <laughs> the, the the wax ring uh, blew, and it was leaking. And so, you know, you got to get that fixed. And I, I, I want, you can go ahead and make fun of me. I've already been made fun of once earlier uh, today, actually, because I wasn't man enough, whatever that means in these in these times. That that shouldn't even be a phrase anymore, by the way. That I didn't change my own wax ring and change my own toilet. That's shameful. I've been, uh, you know, I've been
0: questioned over that. Can you believe that? I can't. Did did Jinxie jiggle the handle because I saw him go in the bathroom? So I think it was Jinxie who uh... you,
2: you think you think you think it was Jinxie, Mr. Jinx, Yeah. Okay, okay. Meanwhile, we got other, you know, uh, somebody that I think is my son who's doing something, getting home from work. We got other family. I don't know. It's a mess. So I apologize if there's any, any background noise. Uh, one of these days we're going to get into a studio because our producer, Tad Davis, keeps promising that. He's not delivering, you know, but he's
0: kind of young. Right, Carlos? Well, you know, let's just be honest, Sean. The way you described your house, it's a manse. It's the Windsor manse. I mean, this is where great thoughts are thunk uh you know I mean this is like in the in the great writerly tradition right you have this this beautiful estate you walk your grounds, you think great thoughts so this is this is your this is your castle right
2: it's a little sliver of land with a tiny as i said little tiny little cinder block house it does have siding over the cinder block. the walls are all made out of concrete it was it's like a bunker it's like a tornado <laughs> bunker man
0: it sounds like a jail
2: built in a, yeah even just <laughs> something as simple as hanging a Hanging a picture or trying to put a, you know, a rack in for a hand towel is requires like a a drill, you know, that's got a 220 volt and a and a 20 bit. It's 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 crazy trying to drill into the cement just to do something as simple as that.
0: Wait, it sounds like you're so, overcompensating. You're talking about you weren't manly enough to do the wax ring, now you're talking about 220 volts and bits and you know, you, Well, just... I, I do a few things. Okay. I mean, you know, I can replace a uh, a garbage
2: disposal. Oh, How about that? Oh, that's impressive. Yeah. Impressive. I don't know if that's impressive or not, but and I've tried to teach my kids a few few of a few I don't even know what I'm trying to say, Carlos. I've tried to teach my boys a little bit of that and you know, they learn some, but I don't know. We, we, I was trying to explain to him the other day. We used to change our own oil. I mean, I bet does Tad even know that oil runs in automobiles? I don't. because his kids, sir, if he ever has kids, they're
0: not. It's all going to be electric. Oh, I'm sure he drives a Tesla or something like something cool that you think so. Something that's way too cool for either you of think us. So well, he is part. He
2: is part of the generation that doesn't have any accountability. At least, so say other people in our generation. I don't say that. That's what other people say. I think that's
0: rude, frankly. Uh, you know, I don't know about you. I know you're trying to coax Tad out from the shadows, and but I'm just thinking of him kind of whimpering softly over his, you know, setup system, his sound keyboard, whatever he has over there. Like, uh, yeah, we, we got to uh, formally invite him on, Sean. Don't, don't like shame him to come on. No, I'm not trying to shame him. I'm not. I did.
2: Okay, man. Enough of this silly uh, banter. If you wanna, if you wanna call it. <laughs> you, yeah i don't know i don't even know what to call it
0: it's that's our brand what are you talking
2: about yeah you're right well our true brand we can't say because this is i think still nominally a family <laughs> newspaper whatever
0: that means but well, uh it's it's 60 minutes of pluckiness is oh, what it is. you like the plucky all right well plucky. listen i love the plucky. we've got uh, i i
2: think a pretty good show you know maybe maybe even better than pretty good but uh that's not for me to judge it's of course for you to judge and others to judge but uh we are going to talk, of course, about your Lions, who, I don't know, they lost. That's not surprising. They showed a little something. Carlos is trying to be positive. I think I read, uh, and we'll have him talk about that. Michigan, Michigan State football a little bit. I mean, they're both undefeated. This is the first time since 2013 that both that these two schools, these two teams, rather, football teams, have started 3-0. and And I don't think the fan bases know what to do with each other. They're questioning who they played. We'll get into that. You know, they're, they're already gigging each other, which is great fun. And then... We're going to bring in uh, our special guest, Sean Mann, one of the co-owners of the Detroit City Soccer Club, DCFC, for those of you out there who you know, call a field a pitch and call soccer football, that kind of thing, right? Who wear maybe a scarf on a march to the stadium. <laughs> Carlos, I know you have lots of thoughts about soccer. Dad does too, although he's not going to give it to us. I think he even played soccer, didn't he? Oh, yeah, that, he still does. That, he still does. He still does play soccer, but no. But uh, what Sean Mann and the, and and those folks over there have done, and the scene they've created, and how how good the team is, how much they win. I mean, shoot, they're the best best pro pro team we have, and uh, and that's saying something, I think. And uh, just we'll, we'll get into we'll get into what what what's in store for them, and just what they've done, what they've accomplished in Hamtramck, and then we're gonna talk about the sneaky decent Tigers, I think, for a Ooh, little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I know, right? Tiger Town. They're uh, they're beating good teams, man. Yeah, absolutely. That's what it's all about. And they're they're setting up uh, some expectation for next year. So we'll we'll get into that for a sec. But first, let's get back to your favorite, the Lions. What the heck happened last night? Excuse me, Monday night in
0: Green Bay. Well, what happened is that what everybody thought was going to happen was they were going to get you know. Beaten pretty soundly. However, let's not forget this. I don't think, I mean, they were leading at halftime, if you can believe that, right? 17-14. They got off to a good start. Um, I think that in itself, we talk about moral victories. That was something you can, you can take something away from that. You can build on that. The offense played uh, efficiently. Uh, jared Goff talked about you know wanting to start faster and, and kind of stretch the field more early and he did that um so you know that was something that i think that that gi- gives this team a little bit of hope on moving forward building for the future um, but they still obviously lost uh gosh what was the score it was it was it was bad 35 Seventeen. Yeah, right? it was it was tough. Yeah,
2: and we don't want to get into numbers, and that's fine. Your analysis there, but come on, dude. Did, did there? The, here's the question: Did the reality hit last night that uh, you know it's going to be another
0: year of uh, suckitude? Of course. I mean, there's nobody who thinks that this team's going to finish with a winning record. I mean, that's not going to happen. But. Uh, you know, it's all about the little pieces, the little foundational pieces. We talked about this. You know, TJ Hawkinson played well again yesterday. Uh, the run game wasn't quite as good as it was the first week. The offensive line played well. Um, you know, the Packers didn't have Zedarius Smith, so that was that helped a little bit, maybe more than a little bit. So it's the little things. And the defense, unfortunately, is as kind of as bad as we thought it was going to be. Um, they are who they are. Who we thought they were going to be so. Uh, you have to look at the little things. It's like the Tigers, right? We'll talk about them in a minute, but you have to look at the little things the pitchers, how they're developing, the, you know, whatever it is, the fielding, the, the you know, situational play, you know, whatever it might be. Okay. Well, a couple examples are enough, probably. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. It's a lot. It's a lot. So it's just going to be, I mean, it's going to be a tough season, Sean. I mean, I don't think anybody didn't think that the lions were going to get kicked in the teeth in green bay and when they were leading at halftime people were like wait what and and there were doubts about there were doubts about the packers so it was like this could happen they could be the packers could be imploding before our eyes but of course they didn't
2: well it wasn't just that the packers weren't i mean yeah maybe maybe you could say they struggled in the first half but the lions actually looked the uh, what's the what's the word I'm looking for carlos competent in the first half Yeah. And, and maybe more so, the, the touchdown pass from Goff to TJ Hawkinson, who's a great, great young player, great tight end. I mean, that, that was a beautiful ball, and he caught it over the shoulder and then dra- dragged his, was it his, I don't remember if it was his right or left foot, but to get the second foot in mm-hmm. in the corner of the end zone. Mm-hmm. I mean, that looked like, you know, NFL, high level NFL football. In that, in that moment, and there were a few other moments like that.
0: Absolutely. And there, there were passes like that. And don't forget, and, and that's great. And it's good that you don't take a step back with the guys who were supposed to deliver. But also, they were missing Tyra Williams, their, you know, air quotes, number one receiver. Um, air quotes, and so thank you. he's still, yeah, air quotes. And and Goff still found a way to connect with a beautiful, you know, deep pass to Quintesfus. Um he also could have completed a really long pass to um, amon Ross St. Brown the rookie uh if he had timed his jump better and so so you know they they were in the position to make plays here, you know, with some of the 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 guys they have on offense who aren't necessarily the stars but perhaps building blocks. So and this is the hard part about I think this season for Jared Goff specifically is, you know, we're just going to always keep looking at Jared Goff and Matthew Stafford, Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff. And Goff just doesn't have the weapons. You know, he just does not have, he doesn't have a true, even close to a true number one wide receiver um, to work with. I mean, it's let me, let me, let me stop you there. Is this your way of of, uh, dragging Stafford again? No, I'm just saying that, that, you know, I mean, Goff got dragged in L.A., mostly by his head coach. And now he's coming to the Lions and people want to know, well, what's the problem? Was Goff the problem? Was whatever? And I think you have to really be disciplined to look at him and judge him on his decisions his throws his but but what he has to work with as well because some of the and i said this too that he seemed a little gun shy here and there as far as you know throwing downfield a little bit more but he also probably doesn't have quite the confidence in some of the you know trinity benson could you if if trinity benson showed up in your manse right now and slapped you across the face would you recognize him sean
2: probably not yeah but you know but but that that's more about me and that's more about me and my my memory and my overall lameness. You know, it's not a, that's it's nothing about Trinity Benson, right? I think we'd all like to hear him slap you, though. That would be that'd be great audio for ten. Yeah, that, no, that yeah, I probably, I'm sure, I deserve it. <laughs> I'm sure I deserve it, Carlos. So uh, no, I yeah, they showed a little bit of something in the first half for sure. I did. I just I, I, I you feel you feel for the fans a little bit though because you you think, oh my goodness, you know, maybe maybe there's something going on, and then reality comes in the second half, and, and you're right, people didn't expect a winning season at all, and you know that, and it's one thing, though, to know that intellectually, but then to sort of feel that emotionally, you know, here we are, I know it's just two weeks in, but you just, okay, here we go again, right? And and, and what's not, what's so unfair for the Lions fans is rebuilding years are fine. Everybody has them. It's the nature of professional sports, uh, maybe with a maybe a couple of exceptions, in New England Patriots, although even they had one last year, but – but I think people understand that, right? But when you when you have rebuilding year after rebuilding year after rebuilding year, when that rebuilding year is not coming after you know four or five years of success, it just it just psychologically it makes it it makes it a little harder. Like, but here's the
0: thing, Sean: if if the Lions even at the beginning of a rebuild right now, if they can go to Green Bay and take a lead at halftime in Green Bay. So, first game in Green Bay of the season, first time fans have been there for a long time. If they can go in the locker room 17-14, I think that pretty soon down the road, a few games from now, they're going to start playing easier opponents. Not this week cuz they're playing the Ravens, but in another 2-3 weeks they're going to they they're going to really have a good chance to beat some of the like Chicago's and Cincinnati's that they face. If they can do that, I think there is hope. I think I think there's, you know, they're not going to go to the playoffs or have a winning record, but they're going to win some games this year. Well, you might be right, Carlos. I think uh, you lay out a good case.
2: It's funny. Last night, I had to run out. I hate to admit this, but I had to run up to the grocery store for a minute, and I missed the, the pass live. I saw it on replay several times, the, the golf to Hawkinson touchdown pass. And when I was up at the store, I got a, a text from my son who's um, in East Lansing, and it, all it said was, wow, what a what a throw, what a catch. And I don't remember the last time, Carlos, that I got a text from uh, anybody, not just one of my boys, but anybody in my immediate family, you know, they're Lions fans, about a Lions game, during a Lions game, about, look at that. Do, do you remember something like that?
0: Um, well, uh Thanksgiving. I mean, because they never play on prime time. This is the only thing going on last night. You could either watch the game, or well, you could still watch the game listening to Peyton and, and Eli. But yeah, when there's nothing else going on, you' everybody's watching Monday Night Football or Thanksgiving game. So you do tend to get texts and things about the Lions and afterward, and everybody saw the game and has a comment. But but yeah, it's rare because they're rarely on prime time, right? And
2: well, he was actually he was actually excited. He was actually excited. And uh, to to your point, you know, maybe there there, there are folks out there that are just going to zero in on the rebuild and um, look for the little nuggets, the little gold nuggets, so to speak. And let's be real. And I, I think, I don't know if you've written about this. I've certainly written about this. People around here know this, the, the struggles and the, the Lions sort of unrequited love that the fan base has to deal with, with the, the Lions fan base has never been romanticized the way the Cubs were before they won a the world series. Certainly the way the Red Sox fans were in Boston. Right. So it's just, it's, all this suffering's under a blanket. The, the rest of the country doesn't know about all this suffering unless you've got some connection to Michigan. And that, in, in some ways, uh, without that romanticization, that, it, it, it makes it even worse in a way. So, I don't know. Getting the text last night saying, wow, what a catch, what a throw. Maybe that's
0: not such a, such a bad way to go through the season. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's, there's going to be hope, you know, and that's, that's, and you know what, I think, I think that, I mean, unfortunately Lions fans have just been down this road so many times, you know, regime change after regime change. And, and that's what that's exhausting. It's not the rebuild itself. It's just that they've been sold the bill of goods many, many times over right on this time it's going to work. And Matt Millen in his overalls riding a, a big motorcycle is the answer. And, you know it's something new all the time but that's the NFL the NFL is always peddling hope and the new thing is the best thing so um you know it's part of football it's just part of the way it is and the lions just haven't had luck but maybe it's this year maybe it's next year you know that's just host springs eternal so we'll have to we'll have to hang on and and see how the ride goes but uh yeah that those kind of passes, beautiful, beautiful, you know. And that, by the way, that pass it was not a perfect spiral because Stafford has thrown beautiful passes to T.J. Hawkinson he did last year, and and what I what I think is interesting about that is just that Golf shows that you don't have to throw a beautiful, picture perfect, you know, hundred and ten mile an hour fastball to make it work. You can still throw a little bit of a wobbler as long as it. It, it has enough air underneath it and gives the guy a chance to catch the ball. That's really what you need. It was in the perfect
2: spot. Well, speaking of hope, I think you just mentioned hope a little bit. Should we be hopeful um, as just a region, I don't know, as journalists who who like readers who engage and care about their teams because they're winning, should we be hopeful about Michigan and Michigan State start? But as I mentioned at the top of the show, this has not happened since 2013, which is, by the way, the year the Spartans went on to the Rose Bowl and won the Rose Bowl. And Michigan... Damn near beat Ohio State. They lost by a single point, which I think is a, a victory at this point. You won <laughs> once in, twi- That's a resounding win once victory. in <laughs> 20 years or t- twice in 20 years. But, no, what's what's been real quickly, I'm, I'm curious what you – and I wrote about this for a column, actually, in uh, Tuesday's paper, but w- what's really fun to me is watching these fan bases go after the other team's wins. Like, Michigan State beat Miami, so Michigan fans are like, well, this, this isn't the Miami Hurricanes of the 80s. This isn't Jimmy Johnson's hurricane or Miami hurricanes, <laughs> right? And Michigan fans are, or excuse me, Michigan State fans are saying, well, who, who have you beaten? You haven't been on the road. You, Northern Illinois is terrible. Washington didn't, you know, the, their second team they beat didn't have a, uh, a passing game, you know, right? So you, you can't throw the ball. You know, you, you do this every year in September. <laughs> you win a few games. You start talking about September Heisman's and then the bottom falls out in October. So, and I've seen this back and forth the last few days at a fever pitch it's like they don't remember what it's like to have both teams start out this way.
0: They should have trolled them by the Spartans fans should have told them by saying, well, this isn't the Northern Illinois of 2000, whatever, you know, 19 or something. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 the best part. That's the best part of college football is the rivalry and the smack talk and the little brother and all this stuff. I mean, it's just, there's just nothing better than that. And yeah, absolutely. The starts are, are amazing. Um, so my question to you is, is, which start is more impressive to you so far I mean Michigan's ranked higher than Michigan State right now but which which team do you think has more promise or has started better
2: well I think uh, the the best win of the six wins between the two teams is Michigan State beating Miami I, I know it's not uh, obviously you know your dad's Miami or even your uh, your older brothers even <laughs> your older brothers Miami but uh, you know to go on the road and beat a team with some NFL talent I, I think that's the most impressive win in the way the way they played late but um you know, I, they seem pretty – there's pretty similar teams in a lot of ways with the way they run the ball, the offensive lines. I, I think also just the expectation. Michigan fans weren't sure what to expect after last year was was, uh, was a debacle, to be honest, and Harbaugh changed his staff and so forth. So after what happened then uh, with, with, with the Wolverine fans, and they've been kind of used to being a little cautious anyway – the State fans, I don't think, expected a whole lot. Mel Tucker's in a rebuild, a lot like the Lions. It's his second year. So I think they're maybe a little more giddy because they see more possibility. But um, I'm not sure which team's better yet. I guess you'd have to say State right now. But uh, but who knows? A lot can change. I and mean, they're not going to play each other for, what,
0: four or five weeks? Mm-hmm. so. Yeah, I was super impressed with Michigan State doing that. I mean, it, they had every reason in the world to be to lose to to Miami, you know, the speed, the size that they have, playing in the heat down there, uh all that stuff. And and the fact that it is, I mean, you know, Spartan Spartan fans have a lot more reason to be uh, more excited because Mel Tucker's new. You know, last year comes in, COVID year, ugh, you know, uh, that's a tough way to start off your your tenure there. And this is his second year, and he's talked the whole time, right, about don't, let's not talk about expectations and limitations and this and that. And they're playing really well, and they have, you know, Heisman candidate already early in Kenneth Walker the third. you know, who's the most exciting player on either team already getting compared to like Le'Veon Bell and TJ Duckett and those guys. So yeah, this is, this is a really interesting arc, the beginning of an arc for Michigan state. This is a, this is a season of redemption possibly for, for Harbaugh. But so far right now, I think I've, I've been really impressed with, uh, with what, what the Spartans have done. No, for sure. They play with
2: a, Kind of a, a swag, uh, you know, I want to say low-key swag, but it's it's becoming less and less low-key. But speaking of low-key swag, uh, we have our special guest on the line. We're going to we're gonna get to him here in just a second. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back.
1: My name is Kerry Jr. II. I'm a podcast producer and reporter with the Detroit Free Press, and now the host of Freep's new weekly podcast, On the Line. Our job is to understand the issues and the people that the issues affect in our state and region and tell the news. I want Detroiters, I want Michiganders, I want Metro Detroiters to hear themselves and maybe get a sense of peace in this podcast. Maybe not in the topics we're covering, but in the sense that we're the Detroit Free Press. And you can come here to know what's happening and trust that we're going to tell the truth, give you the facts and do it authentically. We're going to give you the voices that are in those areas, whether it be in Owasso, whether it be in Petoskey, whether it be in Birmingham, Warren, Gross Point, Southwest Detroit. You know, we're going to give you what it sounds like to be there. So every Friday in your feed, wherever you get your podcast, when you press play, we want this podcast to sound like home. We want it to sound like Michigan. We want it to sound like Detroit. I think that's all I got. So let the journey begin.
2: All right, folks. Welcome back to uh, Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. We have another Sean, probably a, a nicer Sean, certainly a smarter Sean, a much more entrepreneurial Sean. And Sean, man, the co one of the co owners is it co one of the co owners or the co owner Sean of the DCFC?
3: Uh, there's multiple co owners. Yeah, one of the owners. Yeah.
2: So, so one of the owners. So not not the main the main owner. That would get you in trouble.
3: I have the title of CEO for legal purposes, but yes, there are several owners the, well, actually there are now twenty seven hundred owners of
0: DCFC. Really?
3: Oh well, I we thought did the,
0: Yeah, we did the investment though, right? campaign. Yeah, 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 we
3: did the investment campaign. Yeah.
0: Okay. okay. So you guys are like the Green Bay Packers of uh of Detroit football or local football.
3: Yeah, yeah, not same scale, obviously, but uh <laughs> it's actually different that uh everybody who invested in the campaign this time last year actually Owns a piece of the LLC, so they will all get K one tax documents. It's it's a legit ownership stake in the company, not just uh, something for the wall.
0: <laughs> do you get Do you get a certificate that you
3: can put on your wall? Though you do get that, yes. There's definitely people who invested with that in mind, nice. as opposed to uh, financial returns.
2: <laughs> well, well, listen, Sean, uh, it's, it's great to have you here. I, I mostly we just well, I shouldn't say mostly, but one of the reasons we wanted you is. I mean, it's been so bleak in the sporting, the pro sports scenes, and then here you guys are, right, doing your, doing anything. Just keep r- racking up the wins. I, I just wanted to get your thoughts real quick on what kind of season you're having so far, and uh, and what that's been like. All this, all this winning in Detroit.
3: Yeah, it's uh, well, it's been fun. Uh, there's no denying that. Uh, so where we're at right now is we're halfway through our fall season. Uh, there's spring season, fall season. We're halfway through the fall season. Uh, and we're in first place. Um, you know, unfortunately last Saturday we lost, uh, and that was the first time in 362 days that we lost a match. Um, and actually our statistician for the league, uh, there's still some more verifying to do, but from what we can tell, um, we want 27 games unbeaten. Um, and that is the longest streak in the history of American professional soccer, uh, at any level from what we can tell. Um, I think MLS's record was 19. That's what I was told. So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's pretty amazing run, uh, <laughs> no complaints uh, on our end. And, uh, you know, uh, just credit to our coaching staff. We have a established kind of a, you know, a very professional, uh, culture, a culture of excellence. And, uh, the guys just go on the field with the highest expectations, um, and the expectation that they're going to win.
0: Well, I have the one question I have, and this is kind of a, my question about soccer is does, does a tie feel like a win or like a not lost? Or how do you guys, when you come off the pitch nil nil, what's it like? I mean, do you feel like, Hey, we didn't lose at least, or how do you take it?
3: Yeah. I mean, better ask the players than me. I, <laughs> you know, again, that kind of expectation, you know, that we're going to win, I think, you know, it all depends on circumstances, but generally, you know, the guys seem pretty disappointed by a tie. Uh, and admittedly, like, things have broken our way um, in a positive way. But, like, you know, it's um, – it, it, again, you have to put yourself in the place for that to happen. But leading in, we had three games out of five where we either won the game or tied with a bicycle kick uh, just in the last month. And the last one was weekend before and ended up being the number one play on Sports Center. ball sent in. Connor Rods. His shot is
2: blocked. Connor Rods. The bicycle.
3: Unbelievable. Uh, you don't see bicycle kicks at all in soccer, let alone for three of them in a five-game stretch and winning or tying games with them. It was pretty, uh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's pretty remarkable run, to say the least. Uh, what's been going on at Keyworth?
2: What 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 is how does that help you guys? I mean, I know it's sort of a, a dumb question. I'm sorry. I guess I mostly ask dumb questions, but it went viral. The bi- one the one in particular, right? The, the bicycle kick. And, yeah. and what's that experience like for y'all? at your at your level of media engagement and so forth when something like that blows up
3: yeah i mean you know we don't enjoy and this isn't like a knock but like you know like and no knock us uh, knock us it's okay yeah no i don't mean it's not like some kind of right-wing folks but you know we're outside the mainstream (laughs) sports media right you know Um, like there's no denying that like no one's You know, we don't have a beat writer checking in on the rosters and anything like that. And, uh, you know, I think what we've built up until now, you know, was really about the experience and, you know, what's been really special is watching over the last few years, uh, people are coming out, not just for the party that the games are, but they genuinely care about the product on the field. And, you know, I was taken back. I remember it was a couple of years ago and I'm walking through the grandstand and, a couple, you know, older guys who didn't know each other outside of DCFC, but not to themselves friends, were talking about how they were asking me who was in the starting out roster, the lineup that night, and they were talking about how they were texting each other earlier in the day, going over potential lineups. You know, and like for you know, so the winning has helped us transition to being you yeah. uh, know more than just the party, but actually caring about the product on field and soccer. And, you know, thankfully, we're putting out a a team out there that's raising that bar of expectation of winning. If anything, like, you know, I think our fans are getting complacent, you know, that expectation of winning, Uh, you know, anything short of that, it's disappointing. And uh, so, you know, I think, uh, you know, we're bound to lose eventually. I'm glad we got out of our system Saturday and I'm sure the guys will get going to it again. But, you know, it does... The sports center, like I think, that only adds to the credibility in some small way. Um, and kind of the absence of any regular coverage, um, and and actually, it'll you know, hit the newsstands next week. But uh, we're featured in Sports Illustrated's October edition. Uh, they came out and did a print feature on us. Uh, the theme of next month is uh, the hidden gyms in American sports. You know, and you couple that with like the BBC feature last year. You know, it's, it's just we're picking away as much as we can just to establish that you know we're a legit thing on the field and uh and off the field
2: who who uh if you don't mind my asking who who wrote the the feature piece for sports illustrated do you remember
3: yeah yeah brian strauss okay uh, who yeah uh, actually i think he's now the last soccer writer at sports illustrated uh so yeah he came into town for like well, like two days and shadowed me and um and they brought in a photographer and yeah, yeah, it was pretty awesome. That's kind of a bucket list for you know owning a minor league team.
2: No, that's that that is great. And I I have a con, uh, I don't know if it's a confession or not, but when I was out, I should tell our, our listeners. And I was at a game. Was, I'm trying to remember, Sean. Was it late? August, late July.
3: July third is the yeah, it's the championship game. July third.
2: July third. Sorry, I mean early July. Um, and I wrote a column off of that, and it was it was a great night, great win. Um, great scene and I've tried to write about all of that together and I actually got some I got plenty of you know response people enjoyed and that sort of thing like you normally do but I also got some folks that weren't so happy because I didn't write a game column right like I would if I I went to the lions and and they were mad they were like at, at, at what point what's it gonna take at what point are you gonna show up and treat this like the lions or or the pistons or the tigers or the wings and uh you know it's a it's a fair question and I certainly understand. Uh, the the frustration on some of the from some of your 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 supporters as you as you like to call them and i'm curious do you do you share that at all that frustration
3: Uh, yeah i I do i think we're realists though as well you know and actually having brian in town you know um (laughs) you know we're talking about like the fraternity of soccer writers in america and you know effectively there's probably only like three or four full-time soccer writers in america right now like everybody else is like copy editors who, you know, moonlight (laughs) writing about soccer because they have a passion about it, you know? Uh, And so, you know, I mean, and that's, you know, the funny thing about like the Sports Illustrated piece, you know, Brian was talking about how, you know, he hasn't done a print story about an MLS team in years. Uh, You know, like it's the, we understand that the industry is contracting, uh, you know, the sports journalism industry and it's, and I think focusing on the bread and butter, you know, issues. And that's here. We, we appreciate it. You know, whatever the results may be, it's lions, it's Harbaugh, you know, it's Michigan state football, basketball, and uh, you know, there's only so much oxygen in the room. So yeah. Yeah. That's why those sports goals, you know, mean so much to us, I guess, in a lot of ways. Um, and you know, whatever we can do to get more traction, you know, we'll certainly do it, but um and, and yeah, our fans, but they have high expectations. You know, they appreciate what's happening at Keyworth. Uh, it's very special. And I think the reason they chirp at you guys um, when they get that chance is like there's that sense of ownership. Like, you know, they, they put so much time, energy, uh, so much commitment into building DCFC that, you know, they they want it to, you know, get that degree of validation from the outside to some
0: degree. Well, Sean, I, I'm sorry. There's two Sean's. So I'm gonna sh- either Mister Mister Mannion or better <laughs> better looking Sean, more hair Sean, yeah, uh, yeah, any of them, more any successful of more. Sean. Any, um, any, absolutely on that one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> however, however you want to say it, but much Mr. more Mannion, handsome, and, handsome, more handsome. Yes, and smarter, yeah. You know, oh yeah. That. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so, so here's the question: Is like, well, have you seen a bump? I mean, obviously, soccer's always had trouble getting traction in the U.S. It's been a long time since Pelé. All these people, right? Uh, but have you seen any bit like with, with, with you know EPL obviously on TV a lot now with NBC and Saturday matches and all this you can see them all the time. Um, Ted Lasso obviously is like a huge hit on <laughs> Apple TV. My wife makes me watch it. So do you get traction? I mean are you surprised that, that it, it you're still relying on copy editors sneaking out of their you know tombs and yeah. seeing the sunlight and writing about soccer and then going back into the, the copy editing you know uh, tomb.
3: I mean, yeah, it is shocking in ways that the game has grown and not grown. Uh, Just in the last, you know, we started this team 10 years ago, which is unheard of. And like American soccer to have, um, um, you know, to have (laughs) that longevity in a lot of ways and outside of like the first division. Uh, And so, yeah, you are seeing record investment in Major League Soccer. Um, You're not necessarily seeing the TV ratings following that. you know, it's hard. It hasn't been breaking out of that niche segment on the the pro level. Um, I never thought. You know, I got interested in soccer watching European soccer on ESPN in the early '90s. You know, uh, when it's on the afternoons at three o'clock, right? You know, coming home from school or whatever. Um, and and I never thought it would penetrate the way it has. That you know, but but what that means is now like there's four or five times as many people watching a Premier League match on Saturday morning than Major League Soccer on Fox later in the day or even in that evening. Um, And so, I don't know, it's um, it's a tough spot uh, for us. And I think our focus has always been, you know, a soccer executive told us really early on that like, you know, really your goal should just be the soccer team for your community, um, and own it, you know? And so I think, you know, while that's very overarching broad goal, like we want to be Detroit soccer team. And so, you know, that pushes us to continue growing, uh, but doing it sustainably. And, um, you know, we do what we can to grow the sport and, you know, uh, get more people engaged in it or represent communities that already have a natural love for it. But there's only so much we can do ourselves. It's really, you know, what can we do
0: to be Detroit's team? You know, now, now I want to oh, I, I do want to ask. I'm sorry, sorry, Sean. I want to ask a more successful Sean another question. <laughs> you know, so so I grew up not really playing soccer, but I got into soccer. I grew up in LA right after the World Cup was there. A lot of our sports writer, you know, friends and my my colleagues really got into the sport soccer, you know, scene. We started playing adult league soccer. It was a lot of fun. However. I felt like I was, um, it felt a little snobbish, the culture, because if I didn't know who Gary Lineker was, I was an outcast. It was like, how dare you call these cleats and not boots? How dare you call this a field and not a pit? You know, I always just felt like there's always this kind of like elitist attitude to soccer sometimes, especially when it comes to world, you know, Brazilian and I don't know how many Ronaldo's are we on now? 15, 16 Ronaldo's. So (laughs) like, I does soccer almost hurt itself sometimes by not embracing the the dumb people like me, the unwashed, the un uneducated, unenlightened?
3: So I mean it's interesting. I lived in Europe for a few years and that's where I really fell in love with the sport. Yet like I would never say I have a team in Europe I follow because I don't have the bandwidth. Sure you do. Sure you do. Who do you have? Come on,
0: Wolverton. Who is it? I
3: I just know how much it means to folks over there. And I realized early on that I would never have the connection or like be able to catch up to like, you know, uh, to some of these fans and how much they follow those teams. Um, And, you know, I, I, I've heard that about the soccer snobbery. I would say like our fan base while, potentially intimidating on social media. Like if you actually come to a game, it's incredibly welcoming. Uh, And, you know, you can get up to speed really quick. Like people want you to be there. You know, um, we did a fan survey a year right before COVID and 87% of our fans are 750 season ticket holders single game ticket buyers were uh, interviewed. And 87% of them had actively recruited a friend or family member to come to a game. Like we have a very welcoming, like, you know, our fans are our marketing department. So, um, you know, I think we'd go past that, but I'd also say like, you know, having lived overseas, like, Try explaining like American football to anyone who didn't grow up with it, right? Like I find that far more intimidating, you know, for the general public who doesn't grow up with it. So I, I think it all depends on like where you're coming from.
0: That's the that's what I always thought was interesting. Was uh, I mean, yeah, American football is easy. This is this is how you bet. This you want to make money. This is fantasy <laughs> football. That's what American football is. But and and I I think that what you guys have done has been really amazing because. When I was growing up in L.A., we, we had the Galaxy, but there really wasn't a huge following for the Galaxy at the time. And, you know, not until, I guess, they built a new stadium in Carson. Maybe it changed things. It seems a lot more lively now. But when I read, I was I was kind of um, threatened by my friends to have to read Fever Pitch. And when I read Fever Pitch, I was like, I want to be an Arsenal fan. I want to be at Highbury. I want to be running for my life at other stadiums. It just seems such, a, such an intense um, personal... Uh, uh, experience and I think it's that's that's what I feel you guys have at Keyworth a little bit with a northern guard and crazy people with their faces painted and the drums and all that I mean that's that that experience that I don't think that MLS probably recreates outside of maybe a couple of cities Um, I think that's the kind of thing because Americans Americans love events right big bold events I think if they could see this uh, or if this could grow, if you, if you guys could grow that feeling at which you have at Keyworth to something bigger, it could spread wide, more widely to MLS. I think Americans would have a chance to possibly embrace and fall in love with soccer.
3: Uh, when we started, we took the tact of one is who we were, right? Like, you know, we were all 30 years old. Uh, without kids or anything like that and we knew the demo of like young adults and so we created something that like we knew how to who we were and who to sell to uh and also um you know american soccer prior to that really was geared towards you know the little kickers and the juice box and orange slices <laughs> and you know the family friendly and you know we took the approach of you know creating a more Adult-oriented experience and what we call uh, family accessible and of like family-friendly, and um, you know I think you definitely see MLS teams who you know are doing somewhere and who have succeeded, and I think the tone of professional soccer in the country is definitely geared more towards that in the last decade, uh, and I think we've we've certainly gotten the attention. You know, and the reason why the sports illustrators and the BBCs write articles about us is. Um, you know, the notion that like people care so much about a minor league soccer team in America is so foreign and shocking. Um, You know, like why would you care so much? And it is because of like that experience and that experience is created by fans. And like, we took the approach from day one that like we weren't going to be the host of the party or we weren't going to be the life of the party. We'd be the host of the party. And like when we had fans who wanted to create that experience, we, we, we did everything we could to, the platform and foster it and so there's that buy-in and it's all kind of snowballed to the point where i yeah i think there's a sense of excitement when you round that corner through the neighborhood and you walk into keyworth and the drums are blaring and the megaphones are going and the smoke's going off it's memorable and it's, it's exciting and that's i mean it's who we are but also you know very early on we appreciate like you know, that's how we're going to separate ourselves from the other teams in town. Like the other, the four major sports, they've been entrenched, you know, the newest team on the block is the Fort Wayne Sprockets, you know, when they came here in 57 or whatever, <laughs> you know? So like we, we were only going to stand apart if we did it slightly differently. And so that's been kind of our ethos all along and yeah, it, it's an event.
2: And it's, the and it's, I'm, I mean, I'm just, this is obviously just my opinion, but I'm, you know what? It's the best scene in Detroit in detroit sports and i and i don't think it's close and it's interesting you know sean you and i um i think talked that we talked the night in early july when i was there at the game and and what and i remember because i wrote about this too and well let me just backtrack for one second i did feel a little guilty when i got some of those emails like yeah you're you know i probably should just be able to come write a game column On on in fairness to me though I remember talking to you earlier that, or the, you know, that that night about the number one item on your social media. Then it was related to food trucks, and people wanted to know what food trucks are going to be there. And I think that's in its own way. And I know Carl's going to make fun of me there because it's about food, but, and I love food. But
0: what a shock! I know, but it, I just thought that was awesome. Right, I mean, did you, Sean. Did you, Sean? Uh, you know, less successful, Sean. Did you? Did you explain to your readers that you don't know anything about soccer, which is why you couldn't write a column about soccer? No, I can I've actually written about soccer before, and I played soccer when I was young, and I I, I know
2: a, a decent amount about the game itself. I, I couldn't tell you all the players all over Europe and all that kind of thing uh, on a detailed level, like my kids can actually. You know that their generation, as as you guys were talking, loves it, uh, European soccer, but. um no, I just, I just, I what you've got going, Sean. The mix of stuff is unique, and I know on some level, yes, it'd be great to have a, a dedicated beat writer. And by the way, there've been—I <laughs> don't know if I should say this, but I think we can because the, these people are gone. But we we used to have conversations. Do we need to do that? And I can't speak for the Detroit News or any other, or M Live or anybody else, but we've we've talked about that and what kind of coverage because you guys demand it, right? And I and I and you know, COVID probably didn't help the shrinking newsrooms certainly don't help. I don't want to make excuses, but I want you to know there have been conversations. I don't know if you're aware of that or not, but no, no, because of what you guys are doing.
3: Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I mean, yeah, uh, we recognize that like we are like, you know, Detroit, despite whatever the performance may be is, you know, with the other teams, like it's, you know, a great sports town. And again, they're all pretty entrenched. and, And that's part of, you know, how we, well, to your earlier point, like, you know, I think uh, I've considered ourselves like the best like water cooler experience in uh, our moment in Detroit sports. Unfortunately, because like, COVID people don't go to offices and have water coolers anymore. But like it is buzzworthy, right? Absolutely. Like, you know, and and that's why, you know, um, it's that people bringing their friends to the games. Um, you know, it, we've seen a dip in attendance this year. But I mean, I think that's across the board with sports in general and just pandemic and you know we're positioning ourselves for 2022 to just you know do everything we can to you know keep going again that trajectory because our first for you first first few years you know the running joke was um china has their eight percent growth every year with their gdp like we had 40 percent growth every year leading up to covid uh in attendance and revenue and so, yeah, it's getting that going again. The parallel is um, great, by the
2: way, Sean. I'm sorry to interrupt, but uh, <laughs> I, it's, it's going to feed into Carlos and all those folks who think it's elitist. So now you're comparing yourselves to the communists, and people already think soccer is <laughs> communism <in> anyway, <laughs> right? So, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, that, that's yeah. just great. Yeah, but the irony, though, and I mean, you and I talk about this. I think on 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 the ML Solo Detroit's podcast that soccer in Europe is actually the sport of the working class, by and large, right? And it did not start out that way here. It was an East Coast thing that took, in the 70s, that took forever to spread west.
3: Yeah. Um, Yeah, it it definitely has that uh, ethos over there. Although, you know, um, in Europe, uh, you know, you've got Americans investing in teams. And, you know, it's not, it's similar to where we were, I guess, 20 years ago. Like, uh, all the old grounds, like their equivalents of the Tiger Stadiums are getting knocked down and they're building these, you know, stadiums modeled after the NFL and uh you know it's corporate boxes and everything like that and so uh it's funny like going over there and getting to know you know executives in the European game and you know I I just you know warned them a bit about like our experience so, like I think we found a niche cuz you know we play in an old stadium and you know it's more lo-fi and we don't have the flamethrowers and cheerleaders it's you know it's all about you know kind of being in the stands and the singing and the chanting and keeping it simple and about what's on the field. Yeah, there's the you know food trucks and stuff like that, but you know, it's definitely lo-fi compared to you know what modern American sports is today. Wait, are you poo-pooing food trucks? <laughs> no, 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 it's uh, it's I, I it blows my mind though, the people who the, I think the beauty of soccer is it's 90 minutes, right? Like, yeah, there's like added time, uh, two or three minutes at the end of half, you know? Um, but it's a set 45 minute, 15 break, 45 minutes, like you're in and out two hours guaranteed. And so the people that like are standing around in the food truck lines in the middle of the second half, like, blow my mind i'm like could you not get here earlier like (laughs) there's only so much soccer you know to watch um but yeah no i mean it is one of the special things and also it's just it's practicalities right for us you know it's a lot easier to bring the food trucks in than building out concession stands or even if there were concession stands like i don't want to deal with cooking you know crappy hot dogs i'd much rather have like quality like professionals prefer you know like a Donner so. kebab.
2: My last question, and yep. maybe Carl's has one more before we, before we let you go, Sean. I know you're busy, but do you, do, speaking of the scene, and and again for our listeners, it's it, if you can just imagine a, a, a large high school football stadium, with seven thousand or so, right, Sean? I think seven thousand or so people crammed in there, and then people on the perimeter and the edge, and then the, and then I'm going to use this. Forgive me, Sean, but in the I want to say this is maybe not the north north or west end zone, wherever that would be. I'm trying to directionally figure that out all these food trucks and then you know places for for beverages libations and a whole i don't know hundreds of people in there crammed in and you're right you got the 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 drums and the and the megaphones and you got the smoke and all the color And then just the neighborhood it's in, sometimes you can hear the call to prayer at a mosque that's nearby, which I love, and just and th- that feeling, especially in when it's warm outside and it's humid a little bit, and it just all mixes together into this, this really beautiful, wonderful kaleidoscope.
1: D.C. 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 D.C.
2: But I, I guess my question is, sorry about that, boring soliloquy. But my question is: Do you want to stay there? Do you, or do you do you, do you have plans to see if you can grow that experience? As as Carlos was mentioning earlier,
3: yeah, I mean, it's a perfect home for us. Like, it is the epitome of like. When, I think when you're in there, while well, it's a Hamtramck address, like it, it epitomizes Detroit, right? The you got the rail yard, you got the factories. Like the rail yards, you know, five feet from the stadium, and the trains are going by, and uh, that kind of yeah it is a blue collar neighborhood and there's the factories and like, you know, it's a concrete and steel stadium with wood benches, like for the 1930s, it's very much a throwback. Um, You know, I, I think you know, realistically um, you know, as we grow over time, like, yeah, we'll have to think about a different facility. Um, There's a certain standards that U S soccer has. So um, you know, that being said, like we know who we are, And authenticity is absolutely core to like DCFC and, you know, providing that similar experience. So, um, you know, QW is the perfect home for us now. Um, You know, probably at some point, someday down the road, if we keep growing, we'll have to think about something else, but it wouldn't be done lightly and certainly try to create that same experience that we have today.
0: Carlos. Yeah. Sean, I just, the question, you know, not, 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 meaning any disrespect to, to DCFC, but, and this may be a really long answer. If you have a oh, way on. to end on a positive note. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is our, well, he, re, he but it, Sean reads you. So he probably figured this was coming. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's soccer. Uh, do you, and there's been an effort in the past, but do you ever see an MLS team coming to Detroit in the near future?
3: I don't think in the near future. I mean, there's no efforts going on at the moment. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think where you see MLS succeeding right now, it's in markets where you don't have the four teams. And, and certainly not in like northern, Midwestern cities, you know, Chicago Fire are, are flailing right now, playing at Soldier Field in front of, you know, four or five thousand people. Um, you know, where MLS is really succeeding um is in markets where there's only an NBA team or, you know, there's one or two other pro teams. So, you know, I don't think Detroit's a given, uh, despite the size of this market. Um, that being said, you know, yeah, I I think with the right approach, like, yeah, I think it's possible MLS could work here in Detroit. Um, again, I think it needs to be done in a way that's, you know, authentic and slightly different than the other teams in town. Um, but I I don't see any kind of immediate, uh, push for MLS here. Um, yeah, I, you know, I think, I would certainly get the impression. I've I've certainly got the impression that you know, if if Gilbert couldn't get it done, who can get it done? You know, given everything he's already done here in the city, that even if he couldn't do it, then who could? Um, So yeah, I mean, I think it's inevitable at some point. Um, MLS is going to grow to thirty-two, maybe thirty-six teams, uh, and it'd be hard to pass up Detroit. And in you know, we might not be the most amazing soccer town you know in the big scheme of things but you know mls is certainly well aware that you know that chevy bow tie was on front of the manchester united jersey for seven years just until a few months ago uh jeep is on the front of the juventus jersey ford's been a huge sponsor of you know the champions league like detroit invests globally in soccer but they have not as much in american soccer and so you know i i People want to get a foothold here eventually.
2: Well, that, that's a great point and a conversation with a lot of great points that you made and uh, I made and Carlos did not. But but <laughs> I'm sorry. I, 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 I was just teed up. Uh, listen, Sean, I, we kept it longer than we, when, we, we said and promised, and I'm sorry about that. But this has been uh, a great, fun conversation. We really appreciate you coming on, and uh, I look forward to getting back down to the stadium
0: soon.
3: Yeah, no, we appreciate it. Always glad to have any of you out. And, uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, our pleasure. Sean. You
0: just have to make sure there's enough food trucks for Sean to write his follow-up food, food column <laughs> about F- first-time food, second-time desserts. He's going to work his way through the menu. Oh, that's yeah, that's fair. What's that?
3: We'll we'll tweet out to you in the morning. Yeah yeah please please. yeah, yeah,
0: please,
2: <laughs> please, please do. All right, all right, folks. That was uh, that was Sean. Man, we will be back with uh, Carlos' favorite thing, and uh, you know, you just heard my favorite thing: food trucks. But I'll I'll come up with another one. We'll we'll uh, be back in a second
0: i'm Alyssa robinson for the
3: detroit free press when you wake up every morning what's the first thing you do check your email me too and when you sign up for our daily briefing newsletter you'll get all the latest news sent directly to your inbox so you can wake up and be ready for the day We also have newsletters about COVID-19 in Michigan, the latest entertainment headlines, as well as Woodward 248, a newsletter specifically for people living and working in southeast Oakland County. And don't forget about automotive headlines and all the latest news from our Michigan sports teams. We have a newsletter for every personality and preference. Just head to freep.com forward slash newsletters to sign up for any one of these great options and more.
2: Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Carlos, that was, uh, that was a heck of a conversation, and, and I think Sean Mann, the um, CEO, as he calls himself, but also a corner of the, the Detroit City uh, Soccer uh, Soccer Club, the D.C. Football sorry. club. I, I know, I know. I just messed it up. Now uh, the supporters are going to – they're already mad at me enough. But this was what I wanted to say <laughs> real quickly. I, I don't blame them for being frustrated, and I did feel some uh, – I did, I, did, I did really feel some guilt in, in thinking about, okay, why we cover and how we cover things. And, and you heard him there kind of poking at me, or maybe that was off the air. He was poking at me about the next time I'm at Michigan, Ohio State, am I going to write about a grilled cheese with bacon or whatever? <laughs> and as, as opposed to the game, and and, and that's fair. And, you know, it's, these are interesting conversations to have, Carlos, in the, in this landscape as we're trying to figure out how to, how to you know, use limited resources sometimes. I That's not an excuse, but – but uh, but what a conversation carlos
0: you know and the thing that you know we didn't get into this but the thing that i'm sure sean understand he, he mentioned it was the contracting you know side of the business and it's the same thing with golf you know it's like we don't cover golf the way nobody covers golf the way it used to be covered um there's just you know you have to every media company has to put their resources where they really count And I understand that. But you know what? Those fans who told you that, like, why didn't you write a game column or whatever? I mean, shame on them because they're only dissuading a reporter from coming out and giving them any kind of coverage. Because you could have gone out there and obviously spent the whole game eating food. But maybe the next time they have a championship (laughs) game, you would go out there. You'd only spend the first half eating food, and then the second half you'd watch soccer, and you'd write about it. So, well, it's it's a dilemma, I don't want to say shame on them. I mean, I mean, I appreciate your
2: your strong take for the first time in the history of this podcast, but I don't, <laughs> I don't, uh, I don't want to say shame on them because I understand they, they want to read they want to read about the game, you know, that in in a, in a way that they, they want you know their friends read about the tigers if they even have friends that like the tigers. I don't know, you know, like you said, soccer people are, I mean. Look, you know, look, look, look. I think it's look. the only sport. I, I'm not saying that. You're saying that. Maybe some other people say that. Our producer probably definitely says
0: that. Listen, look, when you're when what? you're when you're not the lead dog, right? And I, I've been a fan of different sports. I'm sure everybody's had the kind of like the, you know, whatever, the, the the unfavorite child sport. You know, for me it was the LA Kings in, in LA when they were bad in the eighties. Uh, you know, college baseball, Cal State Fullerton, you know, I don't expect a columnist or a high profile writer to come and like cover the team like they're a beat writer and tell me all the ins and outs. I want them to I expect them to come out, you know, even as a lay person before I was a sports writer, like they're going to write about the event, what it means, kind of an overall feeling of 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 being there, you know, to expect somebody to come out and write some really you know, protracted look at what the match was and the substitutions and the alliance. I mean, that's that's crazy. And I know they want attention, and I, they deserve it. They deserve some form of attention, but it's just unrealistic to expect a columnist at the free press to go out there and cover, like, the match as a game.
2: Well, when you say a columnist at the free press, you make it sound like that's a, a big deal. I am not. I am just Well, we're hack. the biggest paper in Michigan. What do you want? I mean, maybe not some. Maybe I'm not so little.
0: Unfortunately, <laughs> I could probably stand to be Ill, so Not I after wrote. those food trucks, no.
2: <laughs> no, but uh, you could feel. And, and, and frankly, I pitched that. I told our editor uh, Kirkland Crawford, who's one of the one of the producers of this podcast, and he just lets you do whatever you want. Well, no, no, we we talked stuff through, and I said, hey, you know, I'd really like. and Part of it was because it was we were kind of coming out of COVID, and I hadn't been there in a while, and I knew it would be a scene. I thought it'd be it, it great to be at a sporting event and and feel yeah. that kind of energy and write about that. And I wanted to, to, to certainly respect that it was a championship match, and they won, and obviously I did that too. But um, but I, it, it, at some point, the feature writer in me, which is what I was for so much of my career, kind of comes out in that situation. You just, you're just you you're a reporter. We're, we're all, no matter whether we're a columnist, beat writer, news reporter, covering city council, whatever. On some level, most of us that get into this business want to use our eyes and ears, right, in certain situations. And you get in, and it kicks in. Just oh, your, yeah. your, your the DNA being a journalist just kicks in. Oh my God! Look at this, and you just. Oh.
0: You stay and you absorb, right? When when you were on your ten minute Hamlet soliloquy talking about the call to prayer, I could just I could feel it coming. You were ready to write another column, weren't you? And and then when Sean chimed in with the wooden bleachers and historic Keyworth, like oh, I could just see you going out there planning your next trip to Keyworth, right? Well, yeah, I don't know if it was a ten minute soliloquy,
2: but uh, I'm Five sorry, I, I, I've sorry. talked way too much, and I normally like to let you know. I normally just like to keep my my mouth shut and uh and let other you know let let the words do the talking and let others do the talking verbally but i'm um, f- please forgive me carlos no but anyway uh w- w- that's a that's a it's a really worthwhile conversation as it's just we move forward in journalism or what we cover and who we cover and and all that sort of thing and i'm, I'm glad that we got to get into it a little bit through soccer and sean may is and what they've done is uh is really remarkable a decade to turn and in, turn into what they've done i mean turn into that right it's oh yeah it's a, it's a, it's incredible i mean the, the entrepreneurial spirit that then tapped into the community spirit and the mix of that is is really something in, and frankly unique to this to this city to
0: detroit and if you don't if if the listeners out there don't know that much about dcfc i mean it's not too hard to probably find some articles i've written about it i'm sure you have sean other people have about how just a group of friends who all had kind of different expertise, you know, one with media, one with business, one with whatever, you know, sales. Uh, And they came together, pulled their money together and founded this team, you know, and they really, they've really turned it into something, you know, I would have to think entirely unique in the American sports landscape right now.
2: No, for sure. Absolutely. And I, and I know we could keep talking about this. It's a a fascinating subject. And I know we promised at the top of the show, we were going to talk about the Tigers a bit. They're, they're, wrapping up their season here in the next couple of weeks. I think they've got one more homestand after the one they're on right now, excuse me, with the Chicago White Sox. And they've been beating a lot of good teams. Uh, I would propose, because, you know, you just can't predict. It's a podcast, and I know we can control some, but it was such a great conversation. We went a little longer than we normally do with our segments. I think that we probably ought to talk about the Tigers more in depth next week when they wrap up the season. But we can just say, and I want your thoughts real quickly, that they're very quietly beating some good teams. They they beat the they split the series with Tampa in Florida last week. They went two and two. They beat the they won the series against Tampa when they were here earlier in the week. They beat Milwaukee in between another I think a playoff team. You know what they're doing right now is really setting up a, an interesting off season and and I think probably a hopeful season next year. And again, we'll get into this in much more detail next year. But what are your quick thoughts, Carlos?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I just didn't want, you know, I think we both wanted to talk about the Tigers a little bit just to give them their due, just to let people know that we're not ignoring them. You wrote a column about them very recently about what they're doing, and they deserve that because they have been beating division-leading teams recently, and that's absolutely true. The bar is going to be significantly higher next season, so you can definitely touch on that next week when we uh, come back to them, but uh, just amazing, amazing what they're doing this year under A.J. Hinch.
2: It it really is, and again, we'll we'll detail that more next week, and uh, we'll have a better. I mean, you know, they're not gonna like the playoffs, but uh, we c- we can break some of that down um, without too
0: much numbers. Carlos will probably like to get into the numbers, but that's okay. You can, I think you can handle that. I want I want right? launch angles and spin rates, Sean. We're gonna do. It's all gonna be numbers. Nothing but numbers. Okay, that sounds awesome. <laughs> I'm gonna be over at a food truck while you're
2: talking. Is that all right? I'll call you. I'll call all you right. over when I'm done okay yeah please well i like to be summoned you know that's just, it's just easier when life when you're summoned you know just if somebody raises their index finger and curls it towards uh, them and in, to,
0: in other words get your butt over here
2: i just life's just better that way right not and better it, but easier. if it has
0: some coney hot dog sauce on the finger too it even helps you lure you even more doesn't it yeah i just like to do what i'm told for the most part so you know there you go
2: oh, okay carl it's that time of the show um i guess is it, god it's a quick quick uh quick hour when you have a good conversation like that uh it, it, it goes by quickly in any case carlos t- tell me what your favorite thing is i don't know that i have one but maybe i can come up with one where you're telling me what yours is telling us
0: because we're all waiting well as you know this is the week of the Freep film festival so we we're talking to, with uh kathy kalashevsky last week about it she's one of the grand poobahs of the film festival so uh we're talking about films and and our favorite films sports films and things i was thinking about that and i was just thinking about maybe not what my favorite film was but one of my favorite memories of going to movies since we haven't been to i haven't been to a movie in a really long time since you know before the pandemic started i really miss it uh but one of my favorite memories i thought was when I was a kid and this is, this is in the 1970s and my parents, we had, you know, it was my older sister and me. I was probably around, I'm going to say around six years old at the time around, right around there. We didn't have a lot of money at the time. And I don't know if it was because they couldn't afford a babysitter. They just couldn't find one, but they took us to a drive-in theater on a, you know, weekend night. I'm sure it was a weekend night. And um, there was a double, a double feature playing and again I'm six my sister's probably like nine and they figured the kids are going to fall asleep in the back of the of the station wagon and we're going to watch this this double feature the double feature with the six year old and a nine year old in the station wagon was Midnight Express followed by the China Syndrome oh my goodness and yes and I watched almost all of Midnight Express in horror Sean in abject horror about what was happening to this man smuggling these things, you know, it turned in out his to back, be drugs. In, in his backside in his back sack and gets thrown into a Turkish prison for, I don't know how long. And I will, I will say this thing, this to my mom and dad, that they scared me straight. That movie scared me straight. I never touched drugs in my life because of that, um, as a kid. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to run a follow the law, be put in some weird prison or I'm fearful of just about anything that can happen to me. So, uh, and you know, this was the classic 1970s. Nobody wears a seatbelt. We didn't know, you know, it was a different era, but, uh, It still remains as my one of my all time favorite movie going experiences. Well, that's amazing, and uh, I'm a little disappointed. I mean, not disappointed.
2: Actually, I'm not surprised either. What am I trying to say here, Carlos? Maybe you should hit a toke or toke a little bit, (laughs) or try an edible. As a six year old, come on, Sean. No, no, no. I'm just saying. Now it it sounds like you haven't done anything. Um, (laughs) I'm not. I'm not suggesting you go mainline heroin. I'm just saying. (laughs) I mean, if you want to try that, that's fine. It's your business. But I just. I just think you know a little just total, say, well, maybe a, maybe a little edible is is I'll, I'll put something in a in a cookie.
0: What happens to just say no and and say no and pass on grass? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's all it's, legal now, right? Uh, most of it's legal. Yeah, so you you might try it. You know,
2: I'm just it, it could help you uh, see the universe in a slightly different way. I don't know. I don't know. Real quickly, be. okay. What's that? What's yours? What's your shine? Well, my favorite, favorite thing, thing is uh, a little bit more. Um, I don't want to say pedestrian, a little bit more uh, down-to-earth than that. That that That's a beautiful romantic experience you're talking about, although it is involving a, a Turkish person and, and, and cocaine. <laughs> or maybe the was heroin, I can't remember. It was hash. I, hash. I haven't seen that movie in since the 70s. But, or maybe early 80s, whenever it came out. But uh, my favorite thing, Carlos, is just in, 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 in the post-COVID world we're in in the terms of supply and demand, the economy, where we're at, some shortages, people trying to figure out where to work, the, the new parameters with work, all of this kind of stuff, you know, living wages. It's it's shifted and unsettled a lot of things that we have always just sort of taken for granted. And a lot of this, I think, is good. You know, you go into stores, you don't see things. You try to get certain services. It, it, it takes a while. I'm not complaining at all. Anyway, back to my, I think I mentioned it at the top of the podcast or close to it. You know, we had a toilet that was leaking. So the idea that we, we we found somebody that I trust to come over and and fix that and fix some other issues in the bathroom, I, I can't tell you how how good that felt and how elated. Because you stress right now, you're trying to figure out. Plus, things are a lot more expensive, and so just a, something as simple as you know, I'm not plumbing is not simple. Don't get me, you know, people that do that well are are uh, angels to me. But the idea that uh, you got somebody that you trust that's going to fix, and so you flush your toilet and you're not going to leak, that's
0: my favorite thing, man. I'm sorry. I know it's not romantic, but uh, but that's life. There was a. that You know what, Sean? I totally believe you. And I don't know if you watch Rick and Morty. Have you ever watched the show? No. There's a really funny. I mean, all the episodes are hilarious, but there's a, an episode called The Old Man in the Seat, and it's all about how. The old, the the crazy scientist uh, guy, Rick, like his secret to kind of the universe, the thing he holds most dear to him is that he has a private toilet in this beautiful, like, uh, you know, uh, 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 heaven type Garden of Eden. And he guards it so ferociously because it means the most to him in his life. And so I totally understand that. I totally agree with you. It's hard to find people to fix things when you really need it. And there's nothing more indispensable than a working toilet in our lives. Right. Yeah. Running water, bud. That that's,
2: that's society. Well, reading, 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 right. So writing language, I guess, telling stories. So that, that got us uh, around the campfire 10,000 years ago. And then the next leap we took was, uh, you're getting, getting sewage out of the back, out of the back open and, uh, and underground. So there you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> What's more important than that? And that's probably where people read more st- most of our sports writing, right? Uh, yeah, well, it, that's, at least for me, it's probably where it belongs, you know, <laughs> I would say. And it needs to be flushed quickly. I don't know. I don't know. That's just a thought. Listen, Carlos, we've, uh, we've, we've talked a little too long today. Maybe that's probably my fault. I'll work on that.
0: I think. Please do. Please do.
2: I, I know. I'm sorry. I need to be, I need to be disciplined, I'm afraid. Um, it gets back to the getting
0: summoned and,
2: and all that. We don't, we don't need to put me on the couch, so come on. Stop trying.
0: You're eloquent and loquacious, Sean. So don't don't apologize for that. Oh my goodness. Well,
2: listen, uh, Carlos, that was that was fun as usual, enjoyable. Uh, look forward to doing it next week, and uh, maybe we will. I don't know. Next week we'll talk for three, or four hours, right? I mean, that's where this is headed. Why not? Who's going to stop us? Nobody's Th- listening. Come I on. I mean, yeah, Tad's not even listening. Tad's no. probably asleep. No. I hope you're yeah. out there, Tad. Speaking of Tad, uh, we want to thank him. For producing this show, as he does every week, and making us sound at least somewhat uh, coherent, right, Carlos? A little. You know, one yeah, of us. I mean, he's even. He even sends me the text of how to wrap this show up because in my feeble, <laughs> feeble, lame, dry, or cobwebby mind, I can't remember that. So that's our show for this week. How about that? Does that sound like I'm reading copy? No, not at all. Okay, good. I didn't think so either. Thanks for listening. Taking time out of your busy schedule. Again, Tad Davis is our our fabulous producer. And one of these days, he's going to be old enough to drink. Kirkland Crawford, as we mentioned earlier, our great sports editor, is a co-producer. Anjanette Delgado is another executive co-producer. Kirkland's an executive, too. And then uh, we'd like to thank Peter Abati, who's the editor, and it makes this all possible. If you like the show, leave a rating, subscribe, or share it. And we will see you next week. They might have problems, but act like they don't care. When you down, you got to fake
1: it till you make it.